Welcome to Musically Challenged, your weekly helping of random music conversations based on whatever topic the guys choose. Their goal is to entertain and inform you on a variety of themes. This podcast is an expression of their lifelong love and commitment to music. Simply stated, music is life. Thoughts and comments expressed here are the opinions of Chad and Lou, and not necessarily those of Al Seeger or Point of Insanity Game Studios. Caution, this show may include adult themes and language. Once again, welcome to Musically Challenged. Here are your hosts, Chad and Lou. Welcome to episode 34 of Musically Challenged, your weekly helping of random music conversations based on pretty much whatever the hell we want to talk about. I'm your host, Lou Schwalbach, and alongside me is Chad Knight. I'm just keeping it moving. <laughs> All right. This week, we're going to be revisiting a topic we tackled quite a ways back, actually. I think it was episode 15. That sounds about right, yeah. Which was songs dealing with travel or being on the road. It was brought to our attention by a loyal listener that we may have missed a couple potential classics. We figured, what the hell, we'll give it another go. I, I can't disagree with that. And, you know, when we were putting this one together, he was right. He was. He absolutely was. In fact, there's a couple of them on my list. I'm like, how the hell did we miss that? I yeah. have no idea. It was like when we did the first wrestling one, too. And then we looked at it and we're like... And we skipped Stone Cold. Yeah. Of all the people, we missed Stone Cold. <laughs> exactly. Pretty much Mr. Attitude Era himself. Just a reminder, the song may not specifically say road or travel in it, but it should give the traveling vibe or feeling in some way. If you didn't hear a song that you thought might be on the list or should be on the list, Make sure to check out episode 15 because it may be on there. Before we get into this one, make sure, again, to get your map out, lace up your good run and shoes, and pack your bag while we get the show started. But before I do that, however, we're going to do our trivia question. Ooh, trivia question. And and am I guessing in the beginning or at the end? Because now Lou has not given me the answers. All right, what we're going to do here is I'm going to give you the question. I'm going to let you have the whole show to think about it. Okay. And then at the end, you can give me your answer, and I'll tell you how wrong you are. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> All right. And this is completely not in our wheelhouse, so this makes it even more fun. What veteran gangster rapper <laughs> was born Tracy Lauren Morrow? I actually have an idea about that one. All right. We'll keep your idea to yourself. In about an hour, we'll find out. All right. You want to get this one started? Yeah, but before we get it started here, you were just away for a weekend uh, doing your fantasy football draft. Yes, sir. Which I'm not doing this year. I didn't do fan. I'm not doing any fantasy this year. Doesn't it feel like something's missing? A little bit? I mean, If, granted, if I had the time, yes. Well, you're so busy with other stuff, including going back to school, like the whole Rodney Dangerfield thing. Correct. <laughs> Wait, I'm not that old. Wait, <laughs> there his was, daughter was, was in college, but too. Wasn't there a... Son of a bitch! <laughs> <laughs> wasn't there some dude who was like 90 years old who got his bachelor's? Like, yeah, not last... too long ago, yeah. Right, so don't feel too bad. I, I guess not. But while you were away, you were nice enough, you found this Young's Double Chocolate Stout. Now, anybody that knows me knows I like dark beers. Right. And this definitely has a smell. I've already popped it, people, so you don't get to hear that. But it definitely has that smell. But I haven't tasted it yet. Lou has, and the only thing he said was bitter. And thick. And thick. Which sounds like a perfect beer to me. So we're going to do this on air. I am going to taste Young's Double Chocolate Stout here and uh, see what uh, see what we see what we think. I do a drum roll, but I suck at doing one with my mouth. Oh, yeah. It's got a nice sharp bite. It's definitely dark. It's a little on the chewy side. I won't, be, I won't be drinking this while we're recording because you can hear it. I'm like, <laughs> which I'm not actually chewing it, but it's it's got that. It makes your mouth do that thing. It's like virtual peanut butter almost. Yeah, almost. Yeah, but very good, man. I'm, I'm going to love the shit out of that. But cool. for right now, let's get going with some music. How about that? Sounds like a plan. All right. So I'm going to start off with a perennial classic. It's a song I absolutely love to listen to. It's on all of my driving mixes, and it's also just a great song. Born to be Wild is a oh, song yeah. first performed by the band Steppenwolf. It was written by Mars Bonfire, uh, which is just a, a pseudonym for one of the guys in the band. The song is often invoked in both popular and counterculture to denote a biker appearance or attitude. It is sometimes described as the first heavy metal song, and the second verse lyric, Heavy Metal Thunder, marks the first use of this term in rock music although not as a description of a musical style. So right. it was the first time they used it in music, but somebody had already used it about something else. Right, right. So let's let the, the musics move you. Yeah, I got a
So Steppenwolf is a Canadian rock band that was prominent from 1968 to 1972. However, I believe they're still going. Uh, probably. I'm not sure if all the member, the original members are alive or not. But probably not. But you know they, what, though? Here's the thing, though. I'm sure they probably did drugs because it was probably that time. Mm-hmm. And if drug use, i.e. Keith Richards, is any indication, they're probably alive and in better shape than the rest of us are. True, true. But anyway, so the group was formed in late 1967 in Toronto. Steppenwolf sold over 25 million records worldwide, released eight gold albums and 12 Billboard Hot 100 singles, of which six were uh, top 40 hits including three top ten successes, Born to be Wild, written by Dennis Edmonton, using the stage name Mars Bonfire, Magic Carpet Ride, and Rock Me. Steppenwolf enjoyed worldwide success from 1968 to 72, but clashing personalities led to the end of the core lineup. Now, Steppenwolf. I mean, this is a great song. My favorite of theirs is Magic Carpet Ride. Of course, yeah. Which is just an ama- it's just another actually could be considered a traveling song. Kind of, it's it's almost a trip of a song, too. Yeah, yeah. Not like a mind trip, almost. Right, yeah, absolutely. So, what are your thoughts on, on Steppenwolf, which is, this is the first time they've made the list, mm-hmm. and, and the song Born to be Wild? You know, and my dad uh, used to ride. He used to have uh, biker friends that he would hang out with, and they'd go on road trips and everything else. So, of course, I see, I've seen a lot of the Harley-Davidson motor music, or um, music to drive to, and things like that. And you're exactly right. Um, every collection has this song on there. So I've heard this song forever, and it's still a great song. It really is. Johnny K and Johnny K and Steppenwolf, I believe, is how they announce themselves. Sometimes it, they're just a good band. I mean, there's they're a classic '60s slash '70s band that just work. Yeah, and I mean, it's one of those things where this song is not the standard Steppenwolf sound. Mm-mm. You know, it's a little heavier, it's a little a little more on the edge vocally than what they're used to. So, I don't know. I give it a thumbs up, man. I like this song. Absolutely. And the thing is, too, is you hear that first, like, that first drum pop, and you know what song it is. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Just like Magic Carpet Ride, you hear that little, um, that little wah that happens at the beginning. It's like, you know what's coming. Yep, exactly. <laughs> it's, it's either this song, or it's Foxy Lady by Jimi Hendrix, because they both kind of start a little bit the same. Yeah, I can see that. So, what do you got for us? All right, my first one that we're going to go ahead and do is Shut Up and Drive by Rihanna. So, this is a driving song? Well, we're going to get into that. Okay. All right, now, the pop new wave song put out by Rihanna in 2007 features a lot of car terms and allusions. However, it's a very thinly veiled song about sex. So, you're busting my chops, which, guess what? I already knew. I absolutely already knew this. <laughs> but I have fact. it in my notes, so you can't bust your own chops. <laughs> well, I remember listening to this one and, and doing the editing, and I'm just like, wait a second. She's kind of a whore. Anyways, well, let's take a quick listen. Now, the singer talks about wanting to find a driver to step into my ride, but it's pretty obvious it's not a motor vehicle she's referring to. No it's, shit. It's just basing on the literal lyrics and title, it's a great song to drive to. Open the door, sit in the seat, turn the key, and go. That's all you need to know. Now, no talking, just BS, just drive. Or no talking, no BS, just drive. Of course, if you get into the symbolism of the lyrics, which, as we know, I don't really do, but this one is freaking hard not to, it's a whole different ride. I wouldn't turn down a ride, unless Chris Brown were there, because he's an asshat and he'd probably be stupid and whatever, but at the same time, I'm guessing he's probably a poser, so whatever. He beats up on women, but if there's a real man here, he'd probably cower in a corner like a little bitch. That's quite possible, actually. The song itself, okay, my opinion, it's a good song. I, Regardless of what it's out, it's got a good beat. It's an entertaining song to listen to. Would it make a driving list for me? Probably not, and I'll be honest, I picked this one based on the title, but at the same time, it's not a terrible song to listen to. So you picked the song before you did your research. Yeah, kind of. All right, so... Because you've never done that. I do that all the time. (laughs) (laughs) What are you talking about? So everybody knows that I'm not a Rihanna fan. She's been on the list before. She doesn't really do it for me. But this song is is much better than I would have thought it would be. However, it's not really a song about traveling, though. And, And you've already touched on that, but... It's just plain old sex. Yeah. And I'm not complaining. Talking about car terms and sex. Yeah. I just, just not sure that this qualifies as a traveling song. Honestly, though, 
I thought it was a Pink song when I first heard it on the radio. Really? It's got that same kind of feel of some of the stuff that Pink did early on. It does, however, Rihanna's got a very, very unique voice. You keep saying that, but it doesn't it doesn't ring unique to me at all. Okay, well that's that's perfectly fine. If you put Rihanna and Pink on the radio, two separate songs. Oh, I'm sure, absolutely. You can easily tell the difference. At least I can. I'm and I'm sure I could too as well. I mean you put them side by side, it's just like these people I go, there's no difference between Coke and Pepsi until you put them right next to each other and then it's like Yeah, fair enough. And for the record, I call bullshit on that one. There's a world's of difference between Coke and Pepsi. I agree. But anyway, it's and a first song. And RC Cola is better anyways. Are you high? Not yet. Coke. If we're talking colas, it has to be Coke. But brought, I'm talking you, shut up and drive. Brought to you by the Coca-Cola bottling company. No, no. Just brought to you by <laughs> my fucking taste buds. But anyway, so shut up and drive is a fun song. And Rihanna isn't horrible to look at. And baby, I can definitely handle those curves. If my wife's okay with it. I'm guessing she's not on your, your cheat list. No, no, I don't. I Well, I kind of do have a cheat list, but my wife doesn't know about it completely. <laughs> and considering that she doesn't listen to this, she probably never will. Well, she does listen to this from time to time, but she knew I was going to say that. So anyway. All right, so what do you got next for us? Up next, we're going to go with uh, Katmandu. It was a song written and recorded by American rock artist Bob Seger and the Silver Bullet Band. Uh, it was released initially on his 1975 studio album, Beautiful Loser, which became the first of ten consecutive platinum albums for Seeger. Ten consecutive platinum. Ten consecutive platinum. Holy shit. So the song was later featured on his live album, Live Bullet, which is where most of us know the it song from. from, right? The single edit reached number 43 on the top, on the U.S. Top 40. How does that work? How does it reach number 43 on the Top 40? Are you sure that's not an edit or that's an error on your source? Possibly. Because that would be... But anyway... I'm, it, I'm 43rd place out of 40. God, you <laughs> suck. So that that's like coming in second in a one-man race. It's just, how do you do it? Exactly. The single edit reached number 43 on the U.S. Top 40, becoming Seeger's most successful single since Ramblin' Gamblin' Man. The song was featured in the soundtrack to the 1985 film Mask, starring Cher and Eric Stoltz. This fun, funky rock song is what always reaches out to me. Kathmandu is the capital city of Nepal, and that's one place I've always wanted to go. So let's go there through this clip. In 1974, Seeger formed the Silver Bullet Band. With this new band sitting in occasionally, Seeger released the album Seven, which contained the Detroit-area hard rock hit Get Out of Denver. In 1975, Seeger returned to Capitol Records and released the album Beautiful Loser, with the help from the Silver Bullet Band on his cover of the Tina Turner-penned Nutbush City Limits. I don't think I've heard that song. I may have heard it, but I couldn't pick it out of a line. Yeah, it's it's not. I don't know the name. But anyway, the album single Katmandu was Seeger's first real national breakout track since 1969. In April 1976, Seeger and the Silver Bullet Band released the album Live Bullet. Critic Dave Marsh later wrote that Live Bullet is one of the best live albums ever made. In spots, particularly during the melody of Traveling Man, Beautiful Loser on side one. Seeger sounds like a man with one last shot at the top. Seeger has a popularity imbalance. In June 1976, he was featured uh, was a featured performer at the Pontiac Silverdome outside Detroit in front of nearly 80,000 fans. Nice. The next night, Seeger played before fewer than 1,000 people in Chicago. Wow. I mean, highs and lows. Anyway, the song, Can't Man Do? I don't know. It's just one of those classics. It is. It's one of those two. I mean, the one that we have here is off the live album. Which, this is one of those songs that live sounds so much better than studio. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, like, another one is Cheap Trick, I Want You to Want Me. The studio version of that song is slowed down. It's kind of boring-ish, okay. actually. But then if you look, the one they play on the radio all the time is the crowd one, where they have the crowd chanting, and it has a more sped-up beat to it. Right. 
it's just a good song. I mean, I like Bob Seger. I know he played in Des Moines within the last year or so, and the concert sold out almost immediately, and they said it was a great show. Yeah, I can believe that. And, I mean, if we're talking traveling songs, how much further can you and I get from home without starting to come home again? You know, that's a good question. I mean, it's to the point, especially on a spherical planetoid, I guess you would call us. Yeah, yeah. I mean, where, how far would it be in either direction where it would be? It's got to be pretty damn close to the same. I would almost think that, you know, listeners, hey, that's that's your homework. <laughs> let, it, let us know from central Wisconsin, how far is it in in any direction before you start coming back? Yeah, and see how close that is to Kathmandu and Nepal. <laughs> yeah, there you go. And you will be graded on punctuation. By Chad. I don't give a shit, but whatever. All right, man. So what do you got next? All right. We're going to go with a little bit of classic country, I think. A classic country, huh? Yeah. We're the guy go... who doesn't listen to country? Yeah, this is kind of a drinking song, too, actually, for me, at least. And that's King of the Road by Roger Miller. Mm-hmm. Roger Miller is... I mean, he's a black and white country. I mean, that's the easiest way to put it, because you've got, like, your modern country, which is, you know, hot rock country, which we'll get into later. Right, right. And then you've got the classic black and white country, your George Jones, your Hank Sr., etc. But you have to remember, as we were all told by some lady in the Blues Brothers, there's two types of country. We play both types. Exactly. Country Country and and Western. Western. Exactly. Now, this one would definitely be country. Exactly. And let's take a quick lesson, then we'll get into it. No phone, no pool, no pets. Ain't got no cigarettes. Ah, but two hours of pushing broom buys a eight by twelve four-bit room. I'm a man of means by no means. King of the road. Now, Roger Miller gave us King of the Road in 1964. I'm not going to go into the album details because, honestly, I didn't remember to write it down. Okay. So we're just going to go into about the song itself and why. And that's just that Roger Miller gave us this meandering ditty about life on a train of a traveling hobo. Who was hey, you know what? Ditty. I just realized something. What's that? Ditty? Sounds like titty. It does. Anyway, that's all. And I, now, now you got me all flustered because I'm thinking about tits. <laughs> all right, moving on. Title-wise, which almost looked like titty-wise, but it would sound like an uplifting tune, but listening to this piece really gives you kind of an altogether different thought. Um, It kind of makes you feel like you're walking alongside someone who's been riding the rails for so much of their life, not needing material things, just the freedom to do whatever and go wherever the steel wheels take them. Not sure if that's for everybody, though. You know, I mean, I don't know if I could do that. I mean, I'm not a super material person, but at the same time, to give up everything except for, you know, a pole and a bag of whatever yeah absolutely i mean give up your xbox dude you know if i had to if it was a life-threatening thing i probably could but you wouldn't want to (laughs) no (laughs) you know it's like giving up internet Mm, no like you've seen those ads those memes that they have like on facebook and things like go to this cabin and be without internet for a month for a million dollars for a month sure permanently not happening. The the one I love is like, could you live here for the rest of your life and never touch Facebook? And I'm like, I can have the rest of the internet? Fuck yeah. Done. Don't need Facebook. Exactly. Now, and as I, you know, touching on that one here, I don't think I could go without some stability. Although the allure of the freedom definitely holds merit. Oh, yeah. Not being tied down to something would be nice, but having a home base to come to, I think, would be nice also. Yeah. One of the articles I read on this called it the Song of Vagabonds. Yeah. Which... Is perfect. I mean, this is a guy who would go town to town doing menial work for room and board. I'm assuming the song is about the Depression era in America. I mean, it was released in the 60s. The Depression ended in the early 40s or so. Something like that. With the onset of World War II, that kind of ended the Depression. It, it was just a fun song with a good number of messages for you if you're one of the unlucky ones who were hit by the Great Depression. I don't know. I just... There's something about this song that calls me. What it is? No idea. And it's been covered a lot. I know Randy yep. Randy Travis actually did a cover of it that was pretty popular. Uh, yeah. I still like the original better, though. Yeah, I, I think Roger Miller just encompasses everything that you wanted to get out of this song. Mm-hmm. You know, and it was just one of those things that, you know, King of the Road, I suppose it depends on which way you're looking at it. Exactly. You know, I mean, you could be the king, you could be the pauper. It all depends on your point of view. Yep, absolutely. So let's uh, let's maybe go up a little bit different 
train of thought? Or no, actually, we're going to stick with country music. Okay. Sort of. All right. So, I've Been Everywhere is a song which was written by Australian country singer Jeff Mack in 1959 and made popular by Lucky Star in 1962. The song, as originally written, listed Australian towns. It was later adapted by Canadian Hank Snow for North American, predominantly United States, toponyms by Australian singer Rolf Harris with English and Scottish toponyms in 1963 and by John Hoare, later known as John Grinnell, with New Zealand toponyms. And by that, they just mean cities, in 1966. In 1962, the song was a number one U.S. country hit for Hank Snow. The song was also recorded by Lynn Anderson in the U.S. in 1970, Asleep at the Wheel in the U.S. in 1973, Johnny Cash in the U.S. in 1996, Ted Egan, the Farley Brothers, from the television series The Auntie Jack Show in Australia in 1974, a parody version on the album Auntie Jack Sings Walla Wallangong. Sure. John Grinnell in New Zealand in 1966, Mike Ford in Canada in 2005, The Sunny Cowgirls and the Statler Brothers. Harvey Reed also included the song in his Dreamer or Believer album. So you're saying it's been covered once or twice? Yes. However, we're talking about Johnny Cash, singing about, well, being everywhere. Let's take a quick listen. I've been everywhere, man. I've been everywhere, man. Across the deserts, bare man. I breathe the mountain air, man. I travel, I've had my share, man. I've been everywhere. I've been to Reno, Chicago, Fargo, Minnesota, Buffalo, Toronto, Winslow, Sarasota, Wichita, Tulsa, Ottawa, Oklahoma, Tampa, Panama, Mattawa, La Paloma, Bangor, Baltimore, Salvador, Amarillo, Tocopilla, Barranquilla, and Padilla, I'm a killer, I've been everywhere, man. You know, it wasn't until I got through all that that I realized how much shit I had there. <laughs> I'm sorry about that, people. That was a lot. <laughs> the This song is fun. Lou, have you ever tried to see how many of the places Johnny sings about that you've been to? I didn't actually think about that ahead of time, no. I might have to go back and do that. But. I've tried, and Johnny has been to more places than I ever was. Which makes sense, you know. He's famous, rich, and has money. I'm not famous. I'm not rich, which means I have no money. But you're rich in family and love. I, I am, and that is true. But Cash was known for his deep, calm, bass, baritone voice. The distinctive sound of his Tennessee three backing band, which is characterized by trained sound guitar rhythms, a rebelliousness coupled with an increasingly somber and humble demeanor, free prison concerts, and a trademark all-black stage wardrobe, which earned him the nickname The Man in Black. He traditionally began his concerts by simply introducing himself. Hello, I'm Johnny Cash, followed by his signature, Wholesome Prison Blues. You know, this isn't classic Johnny Cash. It's not, but it's accessible Johnny Cash. Yeah, and it's and it's fun Johnny Cash. You know, this was about the same time that he did, like, Hurt, and he covered a lot of other songs, you know, shortly before he passed away. It was I, kind of the twilight. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, considering this was 1996, I think he passed away in 2002, 2003. Somewhere near there, yeah. You know, to still have the vocal agility to do this song is... Quite amazing. It's like a country artist almost rapping, if you think about it. Because if you think about it, it's almost a rap type where he goes from beat to beat to beat to beat to beat. Right. I would probably trip over my mouth trying to do this. Although, and I have to say, this Hell, is... I trip over my mouth talking sometimes. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> I, I'm sorry, but this song is a good song, and it just reminds me of the goddamn commercials for those choice hotels or whatever. You know which ones I'm talking about, too, because they featured this song, and it's like, son of a bitch, now I can think about hotels. <laughs> but you know what? Whoever did their ad research nailed it. Oh yeah, absolutely. The song itself, I think it's just it's just one of those fun songs. It's like it's just like a list of it's like somebody sat down, like Johnny sat down and he's like, Well, I've been to and he started putting little pins on the map, you know? And then he's like, Now we gotta make them all flow together. So, you know. You've already got the tune because it was written it wasn't written by him. So he just had to fit all this stuff into the tunes or whoever wrote that sure, version sure. of it. But it was just like, it was one of those things that almost feels like it gives you a look inside the artist's life, mm -hmm. even though it probably really doesn't. No, I mean, who knows? I mean, when they were writing the song, they might have just picked cities off the topic that sounded good. 
or yeah. like here let's look through a map of the u.s and see like this song fits here and, and then this like, one rhymes this, with that yeah, one exactly and, yeah you know it's like who would who would ever ever brag about being the boise idaho i've been to idaho and just not boise i've been to idaho falls i was to moscow idaho i think you have the wrong country there buddy it's i think it's the sister city of all places all right so what are we going to next all right we're gonna go to actually a canadian artist Okay. And we're going to go to Tom Cochran with Life is a Highway. Now, that song came out in 91, and I just have to say, oh, wow, was this song all over the radio in the oh, 90s. God, yes. You could not fart without hearing this song. I mean, you flip, you would flip stations, and it's like when the president's on. It's like every fucking station, you're going to hear the song. And not only that, it was used for marketing. It was used for all kinds of stuff. Yep, and then in 2006, Pixar's Cars came out, and then it was covered by the country artist Rascal Flatts, and it got a revival, which not only brought the new version to cover, as well as the original version back to forefront, and we're back at the beginning again. Let's do a quick listen. We won't be here as a team, break down the garden gate, there's not much time left today. Now, even though both versions during their respective time frames were played to death, I still happen to like it. Um, it reached its highest point of number six on the U.S. charts, but in the home country of Canada, it hit number one on the singles chart. It's really just a happy-sounding song. It conveys to the listener a bit of philosophical-like advice, kind of like Confucius does. Um, the real background, however, is a bit heavier than just the basic title. Per the artist Tom Cochran himself, he considered this song to be a bit of a quote-unquote pep talk to myself, saying you can't control all of this stuff. You just do the best you can. Sounds like a great piece of advice. Yeah, you yeah. Know, some things are just out of one's control, so you just roll with it. It's a good road song, and just because of the lyrics, not so much by the meaning, but it's entertaining. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I put, I, I wrote down that this song is about getting out and hitting the highway. It's fun. It's a, it's a fun ride from the opening riff to the end of the song. It's just an upbeat song about getting out and going away from wherever via the highway. You know, like you said, there's a deeper meaning behind it based on what the the artist said. But, you know, that's on, on top. That's just get out and go. Just it's definitely a song for a, for a road mix CD. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's a, it's a fun song. I mean, and it's one of those songs you hear that opening rift mm -hmm. and you're like, yeah. You know, and even with the country-ish version that Rascal Flatts does, it's still a good song too. Oh yeah, I, I actually really enjoy the Rascal Flats one, but you know, that's just me, so. <laughs> so what are we going for number, what would that be? Seven, I think. Number seven. Yeah, I think you're right. Number seven, we are going to go with, let's do Born to Run by Bruce Springsteen. Let's do it then. So the opening licks of the song are unmistakable. I'm going to come clean right now and tell you I'm not a huge Springsteen fan. Never have been. However, this song is fun, exciting, and easy to listen to. The song, it's a song about getting your, getting on your iron horse, your girl, and just going. What more can you ask for in a traveling song? So just wrap your legs around these velvet rims and strap your hands across my engines and listen to this. Sprung from cages on Okay, so I'm trying to make these intros into the music a little more fun. Was that one a little bit just too much, I think? I think um, you might have a harassment um, lawsuit on your hands from some of the listeners after this, actually. But I, I, would, I, would, I would worry about that, except you're in my lap right now. Oh. <laughs> so, Bruce. There's, there's wood between us, but it certainly isn't you. <laughs> there's a table, just so you, just so you know. Okay, dirty Bruce. bastards. <laughs> Bruce Frederick Joseph Springsteen. Oh, he's one of those with multiple middle names. Yeah, God. but they're not hyphenated. Okay, that's it's a slight pass on that. He's probably named after, I would guess, both grandfathers or something like that. Or his mom if his parents sucked. <laughs> okay. 
is an American singer-songwriter known for his work with the E Street Band, nicknamed The Boss. He is widely known for his brand of poetic lyrics, Americana, working class, sometimes political sentiments, centered on his native New Jersey. His distinctive voice and his lengthy and energetic stage performances, with concerts from the 1970s to the present decade running up to four hours in length. Damn. His artistic endeavors reflect both his personal growth and the zygist of the times. I don't have a whole lot to say about it. It's a great song. It would fit on any mix CD you want to put together for travel. Just not a fan of the guy. I would disagree that it's an exciting song. He kind of sounds like he's got a droopy face when he's singing it. It's just like, oh, my God. He always mumbles, though. Yeah, but I'm not like Born in the USA, okay? That was just kind of an anthem. It's an arena anthem. Springsteen, for he me... He spent more time yelling in Born in the USA than yeah, in singing. Right, but again, too, I mean, if you if you were to make a face of what it sounds like when that... It sounds like droopy, like the cartoon droopy. Okay. So I'm not a huge Springsteen fan, poss- partly because of his politics, I think, whatever, but that's a whole different story. Um, How many times have we said on this show? It's we don't not about listen, politics, We don't right. listen to, to music based on politics. Well, which is why I still listen to him. I'm not a huge fan. I have his greatest hits, which I think he's one of my greatest hits artists. Yeah. I wouldn't own his whole catalog, but greatest hits is just enough. I could see me possibly owning a greatest hits if the price was right. Would, would prices right be free? Free would be a correct price. I would pay a little bit for like a Like hits. a $2 Goodwill CD? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, that would be perfect. That would be a perfect place to pick up a, a Springsteen Greatest Hits. There you go. But anyway, why don't we move on? What do you got? What do you got coming up? All right, we're gonna do a little B52s. Uh, the song is "Rome." The song came out in 1989. B52s were always a quirky band. There's um, God, I don't even know the characters' names. I mean, there's the redhead lady, there's the guy, and then there's the chick. And yeah, the the, the redheaded lady. I I looked this up. Her name is Kate Pearson. Pearson. That's right. And the reason I looked it up, you'll you'll find out in a second here. But okay. Now, again, as I mentioned, they were a quirky quirky band. I mean, all you have to do is listen to Rock Lobster to realize they're odd. Yeah, they were they were psychedelic music, almost new of the nineties. Right, right. The song Rome is an upbeat song that. To me, it just sounds like someone telling a partner to just let's go. Let's just open the door and leave. Don't worry about what we need to bring or anything else. Let's just go. You know, and sometimes that's what you got to do. Uh, let's take a quick listen. It's like a spur-of-the-moment road trip where it's like, what are you doing? Nothing. Want to go somewhere? Sure, what the hell? You know, Jump in the car and go. Exactly. I remember not really being into the B-52s beforehand, and this is a blast from the past here, working at the KB Toy Store in the mall. It doesn't exist anymore. No, it doesn't. I don't just, think KB as a, as a no, company Toy even exists. Works, I think, or something. They used to have something out at Cedar Creek Mall, remember, way back, way in yeah, the far end? yeah. It was one of those songs that came out over the speakers, because they always had that, it wasn't Muzak, they actually had legitimate artists that came on, and this is one of those songs that came on, and I fell in love with it. I don't know why, it was just something that was just entertaining, it kind of spoke to me. It was, again, that freedom thing, and of course, I'm saying freedom as I'm on my shift working for X amount of hours helping people. Of course, back then, there was no Shazam, so I couldn't hold up my phone and be like, what song is this? So it took me fucking forever to try to figure out what song it was. Between going to the library, listening to cassette tapes, and trying to do web crawler searches, because that was the best the internet had to offer back then. I remember web crawlers. And it took a really long time to find out what this song was, but when I did, I'm glad, when I did find out, I'm glad I did, because B-52s actually have a fair amount of decent music, and not just Love Shack. There were two other songs I remember that I got from KB, and that was um, Everything But The Girl, the song was Missing, which you may not know by the title, Mm -hmm. but if you heard it, you'd know it. Like the desert missed the rain. Okay, yeah, yeah. And then Lucky Love by Ace of Base. They played okay. that one over that, and I'm like, you know, this is actually not bad. And I'll admit I like Ace of Base. What are your thoughts? Well, you know, there is something infectious about the vocals of any B-52 song, but especially the voice of Kate Pearson, who is the lead vocals on this selection. She has this smoky voice, and it made you think, like, 
like she's a total badass. That's not what the song is saying, but it's just no. kind of get that feeling from her voice. Right. I really dig this song, uh, and it just says, go roam the world. Just don't forget the love we share. I don't know. This song just makes me happy, dude. There, there you go. And that's, I'm sure that that's kind of what they were going for. Yeah, and, and they totally hit on it. I mean, I don't have much more to say. It just kind of not really. kind of made me happy. It's you know? a shiny, happy song, which Kate Pearson was also on Shiny Happy People by R.E.M. Okay. There so there's my little segue, and now it's time for your next one. All right. So my next one, I'm going to say just, I'm going to put it out there. This is not a travel song in theory, but it kind of is. So the song is about a girl, a day tripper, meaning that she's just in town for a little while. The song, which is very much built around the guitar riff, was recorded during the time they recorded Rubber Soul. It's a good Beatles song. It's not a great Beatles song. It's it's passable. The wow, harsh. For me, that's really harsh. Here, uh, you know what? Let's just take a listen. of this show we have talked the Beatles to death so here's some information about the world's greatest band oh my god <laughs> and this is this this is more formation information though I'm not gonna just All regurgitate right. the same stuff so in March 1957 John Lennon then age 16 formed a skiffle group with several friends from Quarry Bank High School the fuck is a skiffle group skiffle is the front runner to rock and roll it's kind of a jazzy, bluesy, rock and roll. Oh, like kinda. a jazz fusion type? Yeah, kind of. Okay, all right, go on. So they briefly called themselves the Blackjacks before changing their name to the Quarrymen after discovering that a respected local group had was already using the Blackjacks. 15-year-old Paul McCartney joined as a rhythm guitarist shortly after he and Lennon met that July. In February 1958, McCartney invited his friend George Harrison to watch the band. The 15-year-old auditioned for Lennon, impressing him with his playing, but Lennon initially thought Harrison was too young to join them. After a month of Harrison's persistence during a second meeting arranged by McCartney, he performed the lead guitar part for the instrumental Raunchy on the upper deck of a Liverpool bus, and they enlisted him as their lead guitarist. By January 1959, Lennon's query bank friends had left the group, and he began studies at the Liverpool College of Art. The three guitarists, billing themselves as least three times as Johnny and the Moondogs were playing rock and roll whenever they could find a drummer. Lennon's art school friend, Stuart Sutcliffe, who had recently sold one of his paintings and was persuaded to purchase a bass guitar, joined in January 1960. And it was he who suggested changing their band names to The Beatles. B-E-A-T-A-L-S. This is important. As a tribute to Buddy Holly and the Crickets. They used the name until May when they became The Silver Beatles before undertaking a brief tour of Scotland as the backing group for pop singer and fellow Liverpudlian, love that word, Liverpudlian, Johnny Gentle. By early July, they had changed their name to the Silver Beatles, and by the middle of August to the Beatles, as we know them, B-E-A-T-L-E-S. Like I said, it's not a, it's not one of their best songs. I, It's okay. It's enjoyable. It's enjoyable in small doses. It, it's not one of them, like, when I'm like, I want to listen to the Beatles, I go to Day Tripper. No. But when I'm listening to the White Album, or not the White Album, I'm sorry, this would have been Rubber Soul. When you're listening to Rubber Soul, and you hit it, you're not going to fast forward it either. Right, it's not a automatic skip. Right. It's an entertaining song. I mean, I'm not the Beatles fan as you are, but this would probably make one of my top 20 songs. I'd say top 20 because I don't think it's good enough to make the top 10. I would agree with that. I don't know if it would even make the top 20 in my... Well, you like a lot more of their songs, too, though. That's like, for me saying, yeah. I mean, I could do like a top 100 of ACDC, and you'd be able to be like, yeah, I could probably make 10. Case in point. Well, ACDC is one of those fans, and I don't think they're on this list. Well, maybe they are on this list, but we'll get to that. But ACDC is one of those bands that I never followed very heavily, mm. but everything I've ever heard from them, I've never been like, well, that absolutely blows. Fair enough. 
So, with the Beatles, I'm sorry. I, I have to go to a movie. It just made me think of Wayne's World when they go up to the Gasworks Club and Meatloaf is the bouncer who's playing um, Crucial Taunt and the shitty Beatles. Are they any good? They suck. Well, then it's just not a clever name. <laughs> Fair enough. All right, so, so what do you got next? All right, next we're going go to we're gonna go to the 70s. Fast forward just a little bit. We're going to go with a little Midnight Rider by the Allman Brothers. Band. All right, all right. All right, the Allmans... I mean, what can you say that hasn't already been said? I mean, Dwayne Allman is one of the, was one of the best, and there's nothing bad that they've done. And this is a great travel song. A little piece of interesting trivia is that it's one of their more popular songs, but it didn't chart. Really? That surprises me. Um, it tells a story about someone trying to stay on the move for whatever reason, either legal or just doesn't want to stay. Or... I, always, I always read this as a song about moonshiners. And that could very well be. So, especially the they're not going to catch me, the Midnight Rider, that right. would make sense. Yeah. Um, bootlegging, you know, in the South, that would absolutely make sense. Well, let's take a little snippet. Now we had Dwayne Allman on acoustic guitar. I'm going to have a hard time saying that. And vocals with Dickie Betts giving us a fantastic accompaniment on lead guitar. This song is a moderately paced classic rock song that's perfect for any road compilation. Um, I would dare you to argue that one. I'm not going to argue that one. Another interesting piece of trivia, as mentioned before, the song didn't chart for the Allmans. However, it did chart for other artists who have covered it, which it's not uncommon for that to happen, but it's just... They personified this. I mean, it had such a almond's voice. Just it has that yearning, and it's just one of those. It's like no. Yeah, it's one of those where you know when the cover's being played, and when it's not the when it's not the Almond Brothers. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just the way it is. You know, I did not know this song by the title. Okay. But the opening riff, and I already knew what we were listening to. Like I said, I was pretty sure this was a song about moonshiners. You know, the guys who run illegal whiskey made out in the woods and transported by runners, usually at night. Always on the run from the law. See where I'm going here? Mm-hmm. So, but I, I really didn't have a whole lot to say. I really like the song, and the music is unmistakable and unforgettable. I think it's absolutely the type of song that belongs on a, on a road mix. Absolutely. Now let's move into the next one. So up next, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a little something here. And the road becomes my bride. Okay, okay. I'm no James Hetfield. But the opening line tells you everything you need to know about a traveling song. The opening riff sounds like a train that is picking up speed quickly and headed out of station. Rover, wanderer, nomad, vagabond. Call me what you will. Take a listen to Metallica. Right now! So Metallica is an American heavy metal band based in San Rafael, California. Now I meant to ask you this: Has Metallica made the list yet anywhere? Um, because it's I'm I drawing a blank. Think so no, we've, okay. we've done more classic stuff. I mean, technically now because of 2017, <laughs> it is technically classic, classic rock, music, but... which hurts my heart. Right, but yeah. no, I don't think we've really touched on them. All right, so the band formed in 1981 in Los Angeles when vocal guitarist James Hetfield. Responded to an advertisement posted by drummer Lars Ulrich in a local newspaper. The band's fast tempos, instrumentals, and aggressive musicianship placed them as one of the founding big four bands of thrash metal, alongside Megadeth, Anthrax, and Slayer. I like Metallica. I like Anthrax. We already know how we feel about Slayer Slayer. after the last one. What about Megadeth? What's your thought on Megadeth? Oh, I dig them. And as, do you? as you know, that uh, Mustaine actually was in Metallica yep, before I they do. booted him, and he made <laughs> Megadeth, which is like, thank you, Metallica, because you gave us a second great band. Megadeth, I, I wouldn't consider them a great band, but they do have a song, and I don't know what it is, 
But it starts off with Mustaine saying something like, hello me, it's me again. Oh, uh, Sweating Bullets. Sweating Bullets. That is an amazing song. song. But anyway. Symphony for Destruction is a good one too, though. Yep. So Metallica earned a growing fan base in the underground music community and won critical acclaim with its first four albums. In their third album, Master of Puppets, was described as one of the most influential and heaviest of thrash metal albums. The band expanded its musical direction and achieved substantial commercial success with its eponymous. Is that it? Yes, with its eponymous fifth album, Metallica, in 1991, which appealed to a more mainstream audience, and that's when they started getting chance of you sold out. Right, and, and I think what was it, Lars, who said, "Yeah, every stadium we ever go to." Right, right, and you know, for the money they bank. I personally am more of a fan of Metallica from the Black Album on. Uh, to a point. Their newer stuff... Well, I haven't listened to them since, you know. Yeah. But I enjoy the the early stuff, you know, One and and things like that. We listen to it, right? Yeah. Cool. Yeah. It's always good to listen to it. Well, if we didn't, let's take a listen. And if we did, you're going to get a second dose of it. So anyway, I know you're a Metallica fan. I am. I I also I, know you're a really big Lars fan. Shut up. No, uh, I enjoy Metallica. I have to say that Garage Days, uh, like the Black Album is where I first got introduced to them. Okay. And going there, instead of going forward with everything, I actually went back. And their Kill Em All is a great album. And Justice For All is my second favorite next to Master of Puppets, which is should be on everybody's owning list. If you either own it hard copy or own a digital copy of it it's a great album in fact i believe if i'm not mistaken and maybe ride lightning is there's a call of cthulhu that is on it's an instrumental that's on one of their albums there is and they misspelled cthulhu or they changed it for a reason maybe they couldn't get the rights to use it maybe but either way no it's a good good piece of music either way there you go um and i enjoy metallica it's just it's a fun song it's one of those that even if you watch the video for it and you sit back and think and listen it's like it makes me think of the King of the Road almost, but in a different way. Instead of being on the train being kind of a hobo that way, it's like you're walking along a road and you basically – a pillow is a rock or your shirt or anything like that. It's just great music. Right. All right. So let's move on. What do you got? You know, you mentioned it before, so I'm going to bring it up now. We got Highway to Hell by ACDC. And you're surprised probably that I didn't save the ACDC song for my last one. because I, I am a little bit because I know what your other song is, <laughs> but I like ending on that as well. All right. So ACDC Highway to Hell came out in 1979. And all I got to say, it's Highway to Hell, man. I mean, who doesn't know this song? I mean, kids nowadays know this song probably because of Guitar Hero or Rock Band and because of commercials and shit. But it's Highway to Hell. You know, I mean, it's one of their top ones. Even if you don't listen to the lyrics for the meanings, crap, and take them for face value, it's a rocking road song. There's a few different meanings about this one, depending on what story you want to believe. And I'll get into those meanings after we take a quick snip. Now, the first meaning was from when a reporter asked Angus Young what it was like to be constantly on tour. His reply was, a fucking highway to hell. Which I can understand there. I I get it. He stated in Guitar World magazine that when you're out on the road, on a bus, sleeping with a guy's smelly sock in your face, it's like you're on a highway to hell. The better accepted meaning was Bon Scott when talking about the Canning Highway in Western Australia. It went from the town he lived in and ended up at a rock and roll bar called Raffles. As the road got closer to the bar, it was a steep decline, which caused many people to die due to driving down 
going too fast through the intersection, giving it the nickname Highway to Hell. Most likely intoxicated. Likely. Um, thinking about it going down party time, my friends are going to be there too, makes a hell of a lot of sense. Especially if it's at a bar. Your friends are going to be at your bar. Despite the fact that the song has nothing to do with actual Satanism, rumors persisted, the cover with Angus having red horns and a tail didn't really help the fact that that's not about Satanism. That being said, it's one of, I'd say, top ten ACDC songs for me. I love this song. It's just fun to listen to. As soon as you hit those first three notes, you know what you're getting into. Yeah, and that's exactly what I've written down here. The opening guitar licks are some of the best in the business. Now, this may not be a song about traveling in the traditional terms, but let's admit it. When we are, we're heading to one or another destination after we leave this mortar coil. And let's be real. Angus and the boys are on the fast track to hell. Wait, not sure what I just did there. <laughs> but it's done. It's are you done. saying they're going to hell? Who the hell are you to judge? <laughs> I am no one to judge. But I really like this song. Can I judge that way? There you go. This isn't ACDC's first time on here, and I can never think of anything bad to say about them. So rock on, boys. I mean, keep it coming. The Thunder from Down Under are always giving it to us. And I'm not talking about the strippers either. I was going to say, my wife went to see The Thunder from Down Under, and it wasn't ACDC. Well, good for her. <laughs> as long as she came home to you, everybody wins. Absolutely. So what do you got for the last one for me? Okay, I'm going to wrap up with Under My Wheels. Is It's a rock song by Alice Cooper. It was originally released on the group's Killer album in 1971, and was also that album's first single release. The song was written by Michael Bruce, Dennis Dunaway, and Bob Ezrin. There's a name you should know. Bob, Bob Ezrin? Ezrin, yeah. Sounds familiar. He did a lot with the uh, the 80s hair bands and that kind of stuff. Oh, so. yeah, that's why. The Alice Cooper Band performed the song on the Old Grey Whistle Test in 1971. Since then, Under My Wheels has been a staple of Cooper's live shows, being the equal third most performed song in his catalog behind only Schools Out and I'm 18 though equaled by Billion Dollar Babies. It has been played regularly upon every tour Cooper has done since his singles, since the single's release. It was re-recorded in 1988 by Cooper and Guns N' Roses, with the vocals performed as a duet between Cooper and Axl Rose for the soundtrack of The Decline of Western Civilization Part Two, The Metal Years on Slash Records, which came out at the release of the Raise Your Fist and Yell album, with its supporting U.S. tour being opened by Guns N' Roses. Okay, I went out and I listened to this cover by... Oh, the duet thing? The, by Alice and Axel. Horrid. Really? Hor- I, I love this song. I, as, as individual parts, I like them. I think together it would sound terrible. It was bad. It was bad. So, And this is coming from a Guns fan. <laughs> a couple of them, actually. Well, yeah, I mean... Hell, aren't you wearing a Guns N' Roses shirt on your... On our cover picture? Yes, I am. So that's, there you go. <laughs> so, Under My Wheels is less of a travel song, and only included here because of the word wheels in the title. Kind of like your your first one, Shut yeah, Up and Drive. Exactly. This is just a fun song about running someone over with a bus. Let's take a listen, stupid. The telephone is ringing. You got me on the run. So Vincent Damon Furnier, Fur, Furnier adopted the band's name as his own name in the 1970s and began a solo career with the 1975 concept album, Welcome to My Nightmare. Now, I was listening to uh, Nights with Alice Cooper, not yeah. too long ago, actually, and he was talking about when people come up to him in public. And he loves when people approach him in public, as long as you're polite, polite and decent about it. He loves it. He goes, but Vincent is dead. He said, I haven't been Vincent in 30 years. He goes, so don't try to be a smartass and come up to me and go, hey, Vincent, how's it going? Because Vincent doesn't exist he anymore. He probably wouldn't even turn his head. Right. Yeah, he, he ignores it. So he's Alice. Mm -hmm. In 2011, he released Welcome to My Nightmare, uh, a follow-up. Did he re-release it? or No, he or uh, like did a, a whole two. new album. Yeah, like oh, a part okay. two. In fact, if you look at the name, it's Welcome to Two, the number two. My oh, nightmare. okay. All right, all right. So it's the same title, but it's different. His 19th album as a solo artist and 26th album in total. Damn. 
In 2011, the original Alice Cooper Band was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, where it should be. Expanding from his Detroit rock roots, Cooper has experimented with a number of musical styles, including art rock, hard rock, heavy metal, new wave, glam rock, pop rock, experimental rock, and industrial rock. And he's one of the first shock rockers. Oh, yeah, absolutely. With With the the makeup and and the electrocution and the beheading. Mm -hmm. Did you see him when he came to Wausau? Mm -mm. I went to the show and he did the beheading on stage. That is cool shit. It was amazing. And my girls were like, Mom, can we leave? <laughs> and I'm sure you probably didn't know, probably did know this one. He's a huge golfer. Yeah, yeah. He's and like low handicap golfer. Yeah, too. like almost a scratch golfer. Close. I mean, way better than we are. Um, and it's just <laughs> like, it's, and it's one of those things where it's like, you see him like wearing all black, face makeup and everything else. And then you see him like kind of all tidied up on the golf course. It's like, wait, what, what did I miss? Yeah, yeah, no, but, uh, you know, this song, I love this song. It's one of those songs where he gets really into, character i guess you'd hmm. say i mean he has this elaborate stage show and it oh, yeah. plays in his music it plays in his live show i'm a big alice cooper fan i actually got to shake his hand when he was here in town very cool but anyway what are your thoughts you know i'm not a big as big a fan i mean i like his stuff he'd be one of those greatest hits artists for me but you cannot deny the contribution that he's made to rock and roll i mean the guy's a beast oh yeah I really don't have a whole lot to say, to be quite honest. I think the guy's amazing. He's fun to listen to. I think three of our local radio stations play Nights at Alice Cooper at the same time. I know two at least. Right. So So. it's one of those where it's like, if you're not playing the one song you want to hear, you listen to a different one and you hear him talking about something else. Right. So take us out. All right. We're going to finish up. Bring us to the end of our travels. There you go. Well, for this episode, at least. We're going to go with a little Eastbound and Down by Jerry Reed. All I got to say is bravo, sir. Bravo. <laughs> I had to end on a great one. And as much as I love ACDC, I could listen to this song on repeat. There's just something about it that it's just, it's country, but it's awesome. Came out in 77. It's a travel song written for the 1977 movie Smokey and the Bandit that starred Burt Reynolds, Sally Field, Jerry Reed himself, and Jackie Gleason. The song is really just a bit of a high-level plot explanation about the movie. It gives a good idea of what's going on. So it's like almost a, a movie theme or a TV theme but in movie form, and we're just going to take a quick listen to it. The boys are thirsty in Atlanta, and there's beer in Texarkana, and we'll bring it back no matter what it takes. He's pounding down, loaded up and trucking. Are we going to do what they say can't be done? We've got a long way to go, and a short time to get there. I'm eastbound, just watch old bandit run. Now, in my opinion, even if you've never seen the movie or aren't a country music fan, you can still enjoy this song. It's got a really good tempo to it, plus it's a perfect road trip song. gives you the feeling and impression of traveling down the road. Sure, you're usually not driving an 18-wheeler, but this still works. Uh, Reed did a variation of the song titled Westbound and Down, which is not nearly as known. Eastbound and Down has been covered quite a few times from a range of artists, including Tonic, all the way to punk bands like Me First and the Gimme Gimmies, which I'm sorry, I love that. I love the name of that band. (laughs) One of my favorite covers was done by the Done for the Spy animated show Archer. Okay. It was Shirlene, which is Cheryl's country character. Okay. And it was sung by Jesse Lynn Martins, and it's well more country than Jerry's version is, but I enjoy the hell out of it. I I don't know what you know, what you think of the song. Well, I'm going to start out by pointing out that you had two, count them, two country songs on this list. I know, right? And they're both classic-ish. And they're both classic-ish. You know, I wrote here, I'm eastbound and down, just watch old Bandit run. Smokey and the Bandit, man. Hells yeah, dude. If you have not seen that movie, yes, you can enjoy the song without it, but go see that movie. Go. It's $5 at Walmart, people. $5. I think $5 gets you both the first and the second. Even better. It's like one of those those dual-pack movie things. Yeah. And, and the second one's not bad. No, it's not. It's it's not as good as the first. No, of course, of course not. But it's it's just such a great movie about um, honestly bootlegging. Yeah, it, it, that's what I was gonna say. It's a little movie about running Coors beer from Texarkana, uh, Texas, to somewhere in Florida. I, I think. thought it was Georgia. Like Atlanta. oh, Georgia, Atlanta, it Atlanta. Yeah. It's in a tight schedule, and the police kind of know what you're up to. They do, and the only reason they're doing it is because of a wedding that they're trying to. They, these a really tall guy and this midget guy give them like, hey, oh, bet you can't do it, and here's the money for it. They make them pay for the bandit's car. They make them pay for the beer. They make them pay for like everything else. Right. And it's just like you guys get raped on this deal. And the best part of it is, is they never pay for the beer. 
Oh, that's right. Because there's nobody at the at the place when they pick it up. Oh, that's right. And he's like, and Jerry Reed's character's like, you gonna pay for that? And he's like, yeah, I got it. And they just walk away. Perfect. I, this the music is awesome. The movie is awesome. I'm awesome. Yeah, I'll agree. Go home, Niz. You're drunk. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right. So if you want to drop us a line, let us know what you think of this episode or any of our episodes. You can do so. Just send us an email at musicchallengepodcast at gmail.com. Or you can reach out to us if you're more into the social media thing on Facebook at POI Network or at Musically Challenge Podcast. Either way, we look forward to hearing from you. So, like I ask every week, got any final words of wisdom? I do. We're actually going to give you the trivia again, remember? I know the trivia, but I <laughs> thought maybe you had something to say before that. No, no, no. Actually, um, again, we're always looking for examples. So if you want to do a playlist, 14 songs, 14 artists, we'll be more than happy to review it. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so let's go ahead and finish this one. Just All right. for your question was, what veteran gangster rapper was born Tracy Lauren Morrow? What is your answer? I am going to go with Ice T. You would be correct. So, so far, Chad is one and one, which is probably better than he was at his own podcast. But <laughs> And I get the number one also, so that's cool. But And then next week, we're going to have another question, and hopefully Chad can go to 2-0. Yeah, so anyway, like I said, I want to bring up this beer again, because like I said, I wasn't going to drink it on air. It is gone, but <laughs> awesome. uh, it was really good. So anyway, again, out there, thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you next week. Take it easy, folks. You have been listening to a program from the Point of Insanity Network. Visit us at poigamestudio.podbean.com for more shows. Follow us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at POI Game Studio.